Welcome to The New Disruptors. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, and welcome to a new sort of sub-podcast series that I'm calling Grand Inventions, in which I ask people about their grandparent or great-grandparent or ancestor who invented something interesting that is still in use today in some form. And joining me today is Dave Hamilton. Hello, Dave. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm, I'm it's a re- pleasure. Like, I'm really happy to be here. Sorry, I'm excited. There you go. You're the inspiration for this show, so I'm glad to have you on it. <laughs> Well, I'm and, not the inspiration, but I'm perhaps sorry, my grandfather is, yeah. Your story is. And so uh, so tell me, so what did your grandfather invent? Yeah, so uh, the way I explain it to people is, is the way I'll do it here. You know when you go to those tourist traps and you see the oval-shaped binocular viewing machines? My mm-hmm. grandfather invented those. That's so yeah. cool. I never and, thought about that as one person, as like a thing. They're so ubiquitous, and you see them from childhood. I was like, that's, it's like a feature of nature. It's it it certainly is a piece of Americana, but yeah, a feature of nature. Yeah, that might some people might take issue with that, but, <laughs> but it is like there's so many pictures that we have of nature that include some of those tower optical viewers. Yeah. That's right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's an amazing thing. So, how did you uh, how did you first find out that this was something your grandfather invented? I have no memory of when I first mm. found out about this. So my grandfather, he he really kind of, I don't know what the right way to say this is. He, he was obs- obsessed with having a grandson, right? He loved, uh, and I was the first <laughs> grandson, right? So it, it started, my earliest memory is that every Sunday he and I would get together and we'd go out and run his errands with him and, and go have lunch and then he'd bring me home. I... Uh, and that happened for years and years and years. And I'm sure my brother and sister who came along three years later um, wondered a little bit about this because they didn't really ever do this with him. But, <laughs> but I think this started like weeks after I was born. It may have been months after I was born, but it really he really took like an interest in me, um, you know, long before I, I have any memories and he would just drive me around. And and so and this is what he did for certainly uh, the entirety of his life that I was around for um, or his working life, I should say. But, yeah, you know, he had done other things and he has, of course, interesting stories about, you know, living through the Depression and all that other stuff. But um, but, yeah, I mean, I always knew him as the guy that invented and maintained and was traveled around the country to either install or update or clean or collect coins from all of these machines. And I went with him on a lot of this stuff too. Oh, wow. So this, you know, you're the first person I've spoken to whose grandparent was still, you know, active in what they did and what they invented. So this is, this is an active part of his life when you knew him. That's fantastic. Very much so. Yeah. I was in the, what we called the shop, which is still the same building in, in East Norwalk, Connecticut, the, the old foundry that uh, many, many hours of my childhood spent in this shop. I'm sure it was the first place I saw a poster of a naked lady, uh, you know, (laughs) This was a very, <laughs> very male-oriented business when I was a kid. Like, I don't think – in fact, I, I seem to remember someone telling me that women, like, really weren't allowed in the shop. Um, the ironic thing now is it is the president of the company is my grandfather's cousin's t- daughter, I want to say. I might have that wrong. Uh, Bonnie, as you might 
have guessed from what I was saying is a woman. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's just, it's, it's a, it, it's an appropriate twist of fate, but, but it's, you know, it's, uh, we all get a chuckle out of it, uh, when we think about sort of the, the vibe of the shop back then. So, yeah. So, so this is something, oh, I'm sorry. So what was your grandfather's name? That's, I should ask that too. That's a good question. Yeah. Lawrence Earl Hamilton or Larry Hamilton as, as he was known to everyone that knew him and he knew everybody. Uh, Did he have an interest in optics or, I mean, what led him to invent this is, I mean, it's a brilliant idea because you see it and it's immediately self, like it's a, it explains itself and it is obvious after the fact, right? You know, you need this thing once you've seen it. Like, oh, of course. But how did he come? Do you know how he came to invent this? Yeah, he um, he would he had invented a lot of different things and, uh, you know, filed patents as, as he could. And he was just late on the whole eyeglasses <laughs> with a microphone for to help with your hearing aid thing. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, he missed that patent by, as the story goes, several weeks. You know, it, who knows what it actually was. But, but he missed that. So he was interested in optics. And then um, I'm not exactly sure what the inspiration for this is. These are the questions. And, folks, if you have a, a grandparent or – you know, th whoever it is, the old people in your life, ask them these questions. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they the information often passes with them. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, so his cousin Towers Hamilton bought this machine shop that that's called the shop. And the basement of it when or the the ground floor of it when I was a kid was like basically in its world war ii form like they oh, wow. they didn't use it at all it was yeah. it was used as a, a a shop during you know during the war and and i think before and then after that um and but the upstairs is where they did all their work and uh and he bought that and the, and named the company after himself the tower optical company and to my knowledge my grandfather was only ever an employee i think i think his title there was general manager but um but it was him and Towers that started the business, and uh, and they drove around the country in a station wagon, you know, delivering all these things. After and my grandfather, his name's the one on all the patents uh, for for these. In fact, I've got a, a you know a, a, a patent of his on the wall and, and stuff. Well, you know, I also love that you see your great uncle Towers, and the company's called Tower. And I th Tower. I, I thought when I saw that, I thought, well, it's a Tower viewer. But I never thought about the connection with the person's name. I thought, well, it sits on top of a tower. That's ah. its name. It's like <laughs> you're like, wait, what? Yes, <laughs> no, it's that funny. too. But yeah, no, Towers Towie uh, was his uncle. Uh, it was his his, um, uh, his brother, his cousin. His oh, his cousin. cousin. Okay, yeah, so all cousin. sorry, not your great uncle. Not my yeah, great uncle. So all uncle. in the yeah. all in the family. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. He so your your grandfather was the uh, the idea man, or at least part of the idea man. Yeah. In that situation, and well, so and this goes to another question I've had about people. Uh, inventing things or relatives inventing things is clearly, you know, you grew up with this. So th there's probably never a time you were dubious about it because you got to see the machine shop. Um, and the other question for a lot of people is they hear the story and they didn't have this connection. It's, you know, did you, did you have to do research to figure out if it was true? Did you ever check what you saw every day, <laughs> or every week you're seeing the, uh, your yeah. grandfather actually engaged in this work. So it was always, it wasn't a family mythology. It was part of your well, family Well, there, there was a piece of mythology, but I, I, I will share that. Yeah. We like, and what was cool was I got to see this, um, machine evolve. The, the big thing certainly the machine, like as you and I see it, the outside of it, there's, there's a lot of thought that went into that and a lot of iterative design because people would crash their cars into these things to knock them over. 
Um, it, yeah, because there's quarters in them. Well, dimes and then quarters. But uh, oh, it, I forget. It's like a big parking meter in one level. I forgot. Yes, about that. exactly. Right. It holds everything. So there, there were there were a lot of things in, in terms of the base that he had to change, but also in just that that oval shaped head, if you will. Um, to balance it so that it was balanced with and without quarters inside it. Those things are about 300 pounds all told. Um, oh yeah, it's crazy. I've got one in my office for, for a long oh. period. Of <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. For a long period of time, I think I was the only private, uh, the only person who privately owned one of these. They, they were all company owned. As I understand it, some of the old ones are also now being sold off. But uh, so I may have lost that distinction. But I, I negotiated with the company about 15 years ago. And they were like, right, we want you to have one. We don't know how to do that because uh, we've never like let one go before. Because the oh my gosh. and that so I know I'm jumping around here, but anyway, that, I'll, I'll get back to the the business model because that was sort of the key to their success. Yeah. But um, it, so I saw him both iterating on the design of the the shell of the of the machine, but also the uh, the the mechanism in there was a big part of my childhood mm -hmm. that was constantly being evolved because people would get tricky. They would put a quarter on a string yeah, and pull, yeah. you know, pull the lever and pull it out. Or uh, in one of the earlier designs of the thing, if you just held the lever down, the the thing would stay open forever. You know, it wouldn't just uh, expire after the the two minutes or two and a half minutes, whatever it's set to. So he had to change the design and he would, I mean, he spent hours showing me exactly what he was doing um, and why. And, you know, I mean, because it's like one of those things when you're inventing something, A, you're excited about it, but B, the process of explaining it to someone else is often very helpful for inspiration, you know. So your grandfather's the Willy Wonka of viewers. I mean, totally. that's the thing. Like, it was, I mean, I could see yeah. My grandfather told me a lot of business stories. And I love my grandfather very much. My father's father spent a lot of time with him. I, I was I was the the uh, the chosen grandson among the family also, but you know his stories were mostly about stocks and business with a mm. little bit of FDR thrown in because they lived in uh, the Hudson Valley. But uh, not we, I did not he did not have a machine shop, and uh, so I can see how this would be substantially more fascinating. No offense to my late grandfather, sure. uh, that you would be in a machine shop watching someone explain to you or give you the details of because it's like uh, I mean that's like the inside of a pinball machine or something yes. it's super super interesting and i had these you know the thing i'm sure they still use them today they had these analog little um counters that would you know every time that the lever was pulled it would click one so that you could audit and make sure the number of quarters that, in, that were in there matched the counter and all that stuff oh my god wait i gotta interrupt you because i interviewed one of the other people i've interviewed in this series i will make sure it's preceding this in the sequence is chris higgins whose great-grandfather invented things for a company that became known as Vita Root, which made counters and was based in Connecticut. And it is oh. possible that Vita Root supplied the counters to your to uh, towers. That is entirely likely. Yes. There was, they were in Hartford, and their specialty, they're actually a couple competing, I've discovered now, competing counter-making companies that made all kinds of counters in the Hartford area. So one of them oh, may have supplied. I'll have to dig in some of my little keepsake <laughs> boxes, because around the house as a kid, I always had one of these counters, and it was, I mean, it sounds stupid now that we have, you know, iPhones and computers for our kids to play with, but... Uh, but, you know, I spent hours like clicking oh one gosh. of these counters and excited when it got to some number that meant something, you know, palindrome numbers. And I like actually now now that I say this, I, my obsession with number patterns 
today is probably <laughs> directly as a result of the hours I spent with those stupid things. Yeah, I was going to say, you and I are probably both the kinds of kids who tried to count to a million so uh, or did it on a calculator incrementally yes. by one, right? So there was a competition among my older kids' uh, friends when he was younger. Uh, they would, you know, just the calculator, they kept it going. They kept it going. Press that plus one. There's So even if you have an electronic device, you're you still, can still do it. The counter that... is still an obsession for something. something about That's that. great. So, but you asked about the mythology, yes. right? So one of the things that was always around the office, which was cool for a kid, were all the gimmies that they would, you know, give away to people or whatever, you know, pens and crap, tchotchkes, like we, like we always do. Yeah. And a big part of my grandfather's job and uh, was to go around the country and either service, I mean, for a long time, it was selling these machines, uh, which was interesting because- they took over this company called Peerless was was mm. sort of the the mainstay of all the tourist traps. But they would sell the machine. They sold their machines to, you know, whatever the, the Empire State Building or or, you know, wherever. I mean, any of these places where the, you know, the machines would exist. Then the, the people who ran these tourist traps would have to maintain the machines. And they right, did right. not because that they were not experts at that, right? They got to keep all the money, but they also had to get someone up there to get the money out of it Correct. and everything else. Clean too. it up, make it right. look good so people wanted to use it. Like Mount Rushmore, you know, like you got other things to do. And so that became very <laughs> neglected. So they would go in and say, hey – uh, we'll take all of those old neglected machines out of your way. Those are all telescope machines. These are based on binoculars. It was Bausch yeah. binoculars when I was a kid, but, uh, and it probably still is, but, and, and we'll take all those telescope machines out. We'll put in hours and, uh, and then we'll come back, whatever, every three months, six months, whatever it was. Uh, and we'll, you know, they, they had, I think they had different deals that they would cut. Like if you wanted to empty your own coins, but you only wanted annual service or whatever, like there was, you know, d like different levels that they would offer. And and so that was a big part of it. No cost to the, you know, to the businesses. They would just show up. We installed the machine. You're done. So my grandfather did a lot of those installations, of course, and then built these relationships. And every business is the customer service business, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what you're in. <laughs> but you have to have customers. Otherwise, you're not in business. So so he did a lot of this travel for customer service. And one of the places that he he really seemed to enjoy going and kept as part of his territory, even as the company grew a little bit, was out in uh, kind of the Midwest and the Rockies and, and all that. And we heard so many family stories about crazy horse, the, 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 the mountain, the sculpture. Oh yeah. And specifically about Korchak Jolkowski, who was the sculptor who began crazy horse and has now passed it down to his family. He passed away. He's buried inside crazy horse right now, yes. but yeah. And that's a whole very interesting story. But, um, you know, my grandfather would just tell us, oh, yeah, I was out visiting Korchak and Ruth and the kids. And, you know, we'd talk about the kids and this, that, and the other thing. And, and he, you know, he's like, oh, that's great. They have a room for me to stay. And these stories sort of, have you ever seen that movie, Secondhand Lions? No, uh, no, I've about, heard of it, but yeah. What, okay, great movie. It's about these these two guys, that two brothers that raised this, this one of their grandsons. I think it, that's how it worked out. And uh, and they tell this kid these fascinating, like almost unbelievable stories. And then in the end, you sort of find out, oh, it was true. Um, <laughs> as as after my grandfather passed and, you know, we kind of kept these stories alive. It was like, man, like we sort of took these all for granted. But did he really know these people? Like, wow, this doesn't seem quite possible. But he did kind of know everybody. So it was sort of believable. But we had no confirmation. And um, 
And so my son, when he was 10 years old, his, his grandfather on, on my wife's side took him out west to yeah. visit Mount Rushmore and Crazy Horse and all this stuff. They had, they had this like grandfather, grandparent, you know, whatever oh, kid really tour. Yeah. yeah, it was great. And, um, and when we found out they were going to go to Crazy Horse, I said, okay, well, you know, <laughs> let me call. Let me call. I'd never talked to these people in my life. Right? Yeah. So I call up. And I, I get on the phone and I say, I knew Korchak had passed, but Ruth, his wife, was still alive. And this woman answers the phone. I'm like, great. Can I, I like, it's going to seem really weird, but I'm Dave Hamilton. I, you know, can I talk to, to Ruth? And she's like, this is Ruth. Very matter of fact woman, yeah. as it turns out. Yeah. You know, uh, right. All business. And so I said, oh, so you don't know. She's like, I know who you are. Oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She hasn't heard my name in 30 years, you know, <laughs> but sure. Okay. Oh my gosh. Like, your grandfather okay. probably talked about you a lot because you were the yeah, apple of his like, eye. That's right. Okay. You know, and I, I mentioned to her that my son was coming out, but also somehow the conversation got to the point where. I said, well, we have some old family movies that, that were taken there. And she's like, great. Can you put those on a USB drive so that we can have them? Part <laughs> of the archives? It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so anyway, we sent my son off with this thing and they go and they do their tour and, uh, and you know, he, he, he delivers the USB drive, but he calls us to tell us the story. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, so I met Ruth today. And I think even at 10, he sort of understood the gravity that he yeah. was the only other one in the family that had ever gone out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I'm, you know, waiting with bated breath, like, okay, so what was this like? And he said, everybody there knew your grandfather. Yeah. He said, like, the kids even remembered him. <laughs> and they showed me where his room was in oh the house. Oh, my gosh. And it was like, oh, my God. it's It really was true. Like, these these places. Because he told these stories about how every time he went to, to Denver, he would stay at the Brown Palace Hotel. And he knew the bellboy. And he would, like, do stuff. And I was like, yeah. It just all seems like. Oh, this like, is like a Big Fish also. Yes. That? It's yeah. like Big it's Fish. Like at exactly. The end, you're like, oh, yes. all this stuff. None of this was exaggeration. It was all true in the end. Holy cow. That's right. Right. Yeah, oh, that's I, forgot a I, story. I played uh, drum. I'm also a drummer. I played drums for Big Fish a few years ago. And it's weird playing the drums for a musical because you don't really understand the story initially, you know, but halfway <laughs> through the run, it starts to seep in because you start getting more comfortable with the music. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is about my grandfather. Too. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, it was it was exactly that. So, yeah, it was we got this confirmation. And and as it turns out, uh, my son, Lucas, is the only one in the family uh, other than my grandfather to have met Ruth uh, because she has since passed now too. So oh, yeah. that's and her kids story. took over crazy horse. So oh, I love, yeah. I love that. My, my grandfather had a story about playing, I mentioned FDR before about playing uh, for FDR up at, uh, at the uh, mansion in Hyde park. And um, I was like, well, that's an interesting story, but I don't know. I mean, I never said that to him, of course. And then my uh, wife and uh, my parents all grew up in the same town as did my grandparents, her father and my grandparents and my parents. And um, we met her grandmother's best friend in their retirement place who was in her 90s. And she told me the same story. And I was like, oh, it was true because my grandfather went to her father's school to borrow a piano to go play for FDR. Wow. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, I thought it was probably very highly true. Yeah. But then I'm like, somebody else tells yeah. you the same story. And so you're like, oh, my family myth is now complete. It's now a real thing because it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And and for us, I mean, we knew that he knew them, but did he yeah. exaggerate the extent of the relationship? <laughs> no, he had a room. Yeah, he had a room. <laughs> like he always said, oh yeah, they treat me like family. I'm part oh, of their family. God. It's like, actually, it turns out. And my guess is that, you know, my kids, kids, my grandkids 
could go out there and meet with, you know, some of Korchak and Ruth's kids and they would yeah, yeah. be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know your great, great grandfather. Like, of course. What a yeah. beautiful connection. That is amazing. That's, yeah. That is a that is a great closing of the loop, like three generations apart to have that happen. Totally. And and my grandfather was so, you know, like I said, he, you know, he, he became really obsessed when uh, obsessed, maybe the wrong word. Actually, it might not be, <laughs> uh, you know, with 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 me once I was born just because I was the first grandkid and. um and so family always meant a lot to him and getting, you know, as many generations together as possible at the time meant a lot to him. And and so, yeah, he would, of all of us, he would actually have appreciated this more than anything else because he, he was, you know, it, that's just, it meant something to him. But he also, he also didn't like to trust anything. Like he never wanted mm. cable TV because they were going to program his brain, you know, like that kind of stuff. I think he was uh, right though. It turns out that <laughs> we've I, discovered. He was right about a lot of things, <laughs> know, man. All the, all the paranoia that all of our elders had, it turns out they were right. Uh, so, yeah. you know, so your grandfather clearly had an influence on your, on your life and you have all these fond memories of him. So my question of course is Dave, tell, tell the nice people what you do now. And did that have any, uh, did, did your grandfather, all this experience with your grandfather and his inventions and work, did this lead to um, have an effect on what you do today? Yeah. So what I do today is for the last, we're almost at exactly 20 years. Uh, we've been publishing the Mac Observer. From that, we spun off a business called Backbeat Media that manages sponsorships for a bunch of similar uh, websites and podcasts. And then 14 years ago, I started um, the Mac Geek Gab podcast, which I still do today and, and other stuff too. But that's enough uh, about, about my daily life. But, you know, the, the question is, did my grandfather influence me? I, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, like I said, I, I don't know exactly what the structure of the business was, but effectively he was in business for himself. He took the risk initially to, you know, to, to make this all happen with, with his cousin and, um, and his, that, that wanderlust, that, that sense of adventure when he was, tra was traveling for business, sometimes he did bring me with him. And that was really cool. Like really cool to cut to the front of the line at the Empire State Building and just go up to check the machines. <laughs> oh like my that gosh, kind of good. thing like wow. makes a real impression. Yeah. yeah. That's like having Santa Claus as your grandpa or something. Right? Yeah, like... it was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How much work. Yeah. Wow. So so I think I think, yeah. And he really like he was so good with people. Um, and, and I watched him do some things, you know, you see somebody that's good with people and they, they, they go out of their way. They're a little bit embarrassing perhaps at times because they're so comfortable asking people for anything, you know, like th there's no topic that, especially like, you know, you're at a restaurant and you're like, Oh, well, that, that's interesting. Like you charge this much for this if I buy it this way, but if I buy it that way, right. you charge that much. Like pointing those things out can actually be really fun. But if you've never done it before, it's very embarrassing, right, to watch someone else do it until you realize the smile on their face and their demeanor and their delivery actually warms everybody up. And it's sort of fun, you know, and that I definitely got from him because I I'm always pointing stuff like that out with a that out with a twinkle in my eye and uh, and not always successfully, of course, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you've been more often you've been, than not. You've been prepared to be a grandpa all your life. This is the yeah. thing. You're, you're yeah, exactly. Raised true. to be grandpa. Yeah. Oh my gosh, these are these are wonderful stories. Not like, and I shouldn't say, not like other people have had uh, terrible ones. But you're the first person I've spoken to who knew their uh, grandparent this well, who is an, an inventor. And uh, and boy, these are lovely stories. Dave, thank you for joining me and telling me all about the Tower Viewer and your grandpa. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is great. 
And folks, if you have a an ancestor, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, a great-great-great-great, uh, let me know. I'd love to talk to you, and we'll do the same thing. We'll talk about history and family and invention and entrepreneurialism and everything else. Uh, send email to nd at newdisrupt.org and tell me about it, and uh, let me get you on the horn, and we'll have a conversation too. Thanks for listening. This has been The New Disruptors. The theme music is by Jeff Tolbert. Audio lives at SoundCloud and the site runs on Squarespace. This episode was hosted by me, Glenn Fleischman. You can help support this podcast and fund the production of more episodes by visiting newdisrupt.org support and find out about monthly and yearly membership options that include access to a private discussion forum for listeners, a fancy enamel pin, and being thanked on an episode. This episode copyright 2018, a periodical LLC. It's licensed under the Creative Commons by NCN. 3.0 license. Feel free to distribute it intact and with attribution by linking back to newdisrupt.org. I only ask you don't offer it for sale. Please join us again next time. Thanks for listening.